You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. Happy New Year's. Uh, Happy New Year's. Happy 2020. Um, God is in this place. He has gathered his people together to uh, unfold the next chapter of history. Uh, to see his kingdom come and to see reconciliation and, and hope return to the world, which is so great. And, uh, and I want to talk about that today. Um, if you're new here, uh, we usually go through whole books of the Bible, and uh, we've been studying through Genesis. And uh, we just believe that uh, when we uh, commit ourselves and vote ourselves to the story of God, um, his spirit is going to take that story, which is still happening, that is alive and well in our life, and he's going to breathe resurrection power in it and bring up the types of things in the conversation more than I can come up with a bullet point of things to say. We just read right on through, and God speaks to us. It's great. Every now and again, we take a pause, and we just you know, either do some reflection points, or we'll do a panel sometimes, share some testimonies, we'll you know, cast vision a little bit, and we'll just do something that's in the scriptures, and we're going to talk about scripture today, but it's not necessarily that kind of like exegetical uh, process. Um, that's what today's all about. And uh, this morning, uh, my, my purpose today um, is, is pretty simple. I know we've been in a million places. We've got a lot of things going on. Some of us are going back to school tomorrow, and we're kind of turning into the new year. We've got a lot of hope and sometimes a little bit of, you know, tension and anxiety around that, and uh, we're trying to get out of zero miles an hour back to 60, 70 miles an hour, uh, some of us 100, uh, in some of our day-to-day life. Um, and so I don't want to clutter, I don't want to clutter the, uh, the dashboard here. I just, I just want to do something real simple. And that is, I just want to spend uh, this morning for the next 30 minutes um, uh, remembering, uh, remembering um, what God has done in our story as a church in 2019. The key word this morning is I just want to remember. I want us to remember um, who God is, who we are, so important. We someone say, well, we're out of 2019. You just said we're, we're not looking back. And it's like, well, we're not looking back. Sometimes you just check the rearview mirror every now and again because when we remember, um, we are, I believe we are strengthened. I believe when we do good remembering, we are strengthened. When we remember with God, we are strengthened in our identity. Um, we are clarified in our purpose. Uh, I believe that, that memory is a really important thing. Um, I have this new app. I would also recommend it. I'm a walking advertisement, I guess, up here, uh, called Google Photos. Y'all use the Google? Man, the Google Photos is a game changer. I lost. <laughs> I remember um, uh, I was like, Kyra, I'm going to buy a terabyte of memory on Amazon. And uh, she was like, oh, that sounds like, I have no, it's a dinosaur? What is that? And I was like, no, it's this thing, and I'm going to spend $100 on it. So I had to, like, debate the whole thing. She's like, $100? I was like, listen, babe, it's pictures. you got to have the pictures. And you don't want to lose the pictures. You need to have a terabyte. And, and I said, I, w- I was like, and, you know, this whole, like, Internet cloud thing, it's costing money, and I don't know if it's reliable, and I don't know where these servers are in Tennessee, so I'm just going to get my own little terabyte. I'm not putting anything on the Internet. And it's like, you know, I think that the terabyte's going to outlast the, um, the, the cloud. I was totally wrong. If there's one thing that's going to be left around, uh, if something ends on this world, it's going to be cockroaches and Google, because uh, terabytes don't get the terabytes. Go get the Google. That's my thing, because I lost, like, four years of pictures. Super sad. Every year, it's like there's like, I can like repair it for a certain amount of money, but I, I have it sitting in my desk tonight and I haven't repaired it. Anyways, I do have photos that are stored. All the photos that are stored on Google are saved. And if you get the Google photo app, it's brilliant. It's actually my first, we all have a first app we check in the morning, you know, and a lot of times it's not the Bible. So let's just talk. There's a word right there for you. But, but the first, my first app, I'm telling you, my first app for the last couple of months is Google photos. My thing is, why are you looking at pictures? That's ridiculous. Google photos. 
Well, the thing is, is Google Photos has like a story like development thing on the top. Like, you know, on Instagram with the little circles and you press them and the little pictures show up and they show up for like five seconds and they go on to the next story. And, and what, they, what they have in Google is instead of other people's photos, they have, they have your photos, the photos that are in your Google Drive. And, uh, and, and they show up there for five seconds and they'll show you like what you were doing a year ago. And you guys experienced this before? Like, like where, like you remember this a year ago, this time exactly, like your little birthday last year, you had a little bit more hair, you were a little bit less wise and wide, you know, like you were, you were, you were, you were reflecting on these things. And, and, I, and I don't know what it is. I, it's been so important in the morning lately. I mean, I do obviously get in the Word and all that kind of thing, but I, I, lo- I love the process. I don't know why it is um, and the season I'm at, but like I love the process of remembering. I just love the process of, of seeing old uh, pictures. Can I actually get that very picture of, uh, of Kyra? This one popped up. They, they, they showed me this like a then and now of Kyra um, and my two oldest children, Okay. So this is what I need to see in the morning, guys. I just need my coffee, I need my Jesus, and I need a couple of pictures. That's all that I'm doing. And, um, and so it's swapped, and it's a little dark. I don't know about the lights, but, but Rose is over there now. There's Rose. And, I mean, it's like not so long ago. There's Rose. And, um, and Kyra's so beautiful. She's just so great, right? And, and then that's Leo. That's, <laughs> he hates this. That's you, man. That's, that was you. You didn't know what was going on. Your hill head was just bobbing. Boom, boom. This is like last week. We went to Washington, D.C. This is the World War II Memorial. Beautiful. Highly recommend that. Leo's on that side. Rose's on this side. Kyra's just, some things do say the same. She's gorgeous. But it, they grow up so fast. Google will say that right there. It's like they grow up so fast. And I'm, that's what I'm thinking. How did you know that that was what I was thinking just now? They grow up. So fast. That's Notre Dame. That's up there in Indiana, South Bend, and it, it's so much colder there. And then, boom, that's like 2020, or 19, the day before 2020. Man, and it like, you're not as smart as you think you are, remember? Like, when you look at the picture, you're like, oh, I thought I was awesome. You know, like, oh, I like, I really thought I knew, what, and I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I needed God to teach me some things, like, I wasn't teaching other people things. Like in that picture that I thought that I was knowing everything and waiting for everybody to catch up with me, I was, I was actually in a process learning how to grow in grace with God. You know, like that's what pictures can do. Pictures, um, pictures can give you a perspective of, um, uh, of what's important and what's not, of what's urgent and what matters. The picture won't lie to you. It will tell you. That thing that was in your hand, that phone, or that thing that you thought was so awesome, or those pair of jeans or whatever, you know, or however, you know, old you thought you were, you weren't that old, you know, like, they'll teach you a perspective. Pictures will do that. They'll preach to you. And they'll preach to you, really, about the longevity of life. They'll talk to you about the fact that, you know, you really tend to overestimate what you can get done in a year, and you tend to underestimate what God can do in five years. And it, and it begins to, and it begins to, I think, uh, cultivate your, your passion and, and your clarity of what it is you're trying to do and, and your vision, but it also tends to temper you and give you a sense of, of peace. And that's, and that's kind of what I want to do. I just have a couple pictures from City Lights. 2019, y'all ready for a drum roll? City Lights 2019. If your face is on here, I'm sorry, I don't have any disclosures for you. I just put it up here. I don't even know if that's legal. I'm allowed to just put, put your picture up there. I don't know. But I put them up there, and if your eyes are closed, I'm sorry, man. That's what you get. And so, uh, hey... These are some pictures that they would help us remember 
what God is doing and who he is. This was Christmas 2000. This was not so long ago. Do you guys remember this? This was not so long ago. We, had a, uh, we were in song two of the worship stat. And uh, we have this every couple of, of months um, or years. Um, we'll have a little person, and they'll just see the big red lever, and they'll just pull that thing. And so that's what happened on this particular Christmas. And I told my wife, it was wonderful. It was wonderful, wonderfully warm and, and uh, spontaneous. And it just breaks the ice and gets us out of that religious kind of feeling, you know, and reminds us that Jesus was born in inconvenience and that the kingdom of heaven belongs to children and and they're showing us and teaching us who God is. And I love the joy of the picture. I just love that picture. All right, next picture. I'll move faster now. Um, I loved when the Martins came in. I love those like six foot two, you know, Ugandan men with like James Earl Jones voices being like, Uncle Martin, Uncle or Aunt Jocelyn, you changed my life. I'm just bawling in the front row. I mean, it's just so, so powerful. And, and the picture, I mean, like we are, we have, 10%, you know, like we've said 10% and we've given 10%. And it's like, you realize when you see these stories, like we have an opportunity because of the technology that we live in and the connectedness that we have to leverage that for the kingdom of God. And we are like involved in China. Like, look at us, you know, we're just God's little helpers down here figuring it out. And we're helping, we're reaching China with this stuff, you know, and with the Dominican Republic and with Uganda and Clemson University. And it's like, man, God is good. And I love that. Next picture. Olaf game here in the kids, in the kids ministry. We've got a lot of broken arms. Who knows? This is, the, this is just the gang, the rascals here, you know? And I'm sure they're, having, they're probably having more fun than you guys are right now, you know? And, um, and uh, hey, there is our chief executive officer of tithing. <laughs> uh, the giving team. When I say the giving team comes forward, that is Optimus Prime right there. He is the leader of the giving team. And you are in safe hands with David Malpass. And so I love the composition and the juxtaposition. It's a great artistic piece, in my opinion. That's the Christmas party last year. How about a hand for Bob Hessel? I love Bob. I love breakfast burritos. And since he's gotten here, I've gotten wiser and wider because of his presence. And so um, I, I love Zane. Zane's single, guys. I just, there it is. Next slide, next slide. Uh, we're moving, we're moving. Uh, men's, we had um, a really great year, I believe, in, in just community um, we, we got rained out for our Frisbee event. Um, Alex and Paul did a great job kind of setting that up, and I'm sure we'll do it. We got a rain check literally for next year. Um, but this is Taylor sharing his story. And so we had, what, like five, I think, men's, men's gatherings, the fellowship gatherings, and there's women's, and there's young professionals. And, you know, it's, the whole purpose, it's an interesting list last year in reflection. The purpose of that event was to help people. If you're new at this church, I would highly recommend you to show up at the men's event because this is just a spot, I think, where we... Um, guys need community, and we, we don't do good at it. And it's a place where everybody can join in at one, at, in one spot. And so it was a place to extend and build bridges and build community outside of our you know, current core group. But what I also found that was happening was not only from, from the outside-in perspective, but from the inside-in perspective, there was a bonding in these events because of the vulnerability. There's like Taylor was sharing his story, and how Julie shared her story, and and I remember Rusty shared his story, and, and there's, there's just such a vulnerability up here on the stage and in men's event this last year of people just willing <clears throat> to be real and honest with their story that God might reach somebody. And what I found in this last year, and you might you know, see it with me as well, is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a community and a building of community between the generations. That, that in a lot of churches, I think there's a struggle, especially there's an attack, I believe, in, in, in the American church between you know, the, 
the, the millennial and baby boomer generations. There's a division. There's a lack of communication. We don't, you know, how do we engage and how do we communicate and how do we disciple one another? How do we serve one another? And I think that, I think that the gospel has something really important to say about that. And, and I just saw a lot of the women's events and the men's events as jump-off points, as places where you could grow deeper with people that have been through things that you have been through and a place that you can meet people that are not in your immediate circle. And so I just challenge you in the future to get involved in some of those. All right, next one. Um, I got invited to the Fletchers. I just, I don't know, was I invited? Maybe I invited myself. I'm not sure. I heard Friendsgiving, so I showed up. And, uh, man, it was great. And, and um, <clears throat> we had a lot of macaroni. And I tell you, in the North, we didn't have macaroni for Thanksgiving, but I like it. So I'm coming next year. So this was a small group. And if you're not involved in a small group, this is where we want to do life and do family. And so there's a picture there. Um, okay, so I thought, can I put beer in church? Okay, so let me just tell you this. Uh, I got my stance on alcohol. That's not today. But this is at Zach's uh, wedding. How about a hand for Zach Robinson and Carly? Married. Lots of married couples. Loving that. Lots of pregos. Loving that. I look up and Zach's giving his speech, man. Killed it. Where's Zach? Killed it, man. You did great. Love this guy. He's a singer, songer. He's a brilliant man. And I said, does he have a koozie on his beer? Like, did they give that to him at the event? He brought it from home. I zoomed in on my phone. This is a true story. And on his thing, it says, you can't say, 2016 National Championship Clemson. And uh, there's fans, and then there's these guys. I mean, this guy, to his wedding, is giving his speech. And he said, I will be giving my speech. And when I do it, I will... I will have a Clemson koozie on my beer, and that will not. So I stole it. I took it, I took it and I took the koozie. He didn't notice it. He was too happy. There's a tiger jumping around. It was a great time. But I love that picture. I don't know how much more time. There we are, the beautiful couple. Love that. Uh, next slide. Keep going. The fearless Stephen Lewis. He is just handsome. No, go back. I want to look at him. He's got good posture is the thing, good diction, and uh, he's, he should be mayor by now. I'm going to talk to him about that. But that's our family meeting, and I just love the communication that has been, I think, growing in our church, and, and I think families that communicate are healthy. That's really important that we talk and that we share things and we have a dialogue, and I love that. So next picture. Um, this is Miss Julie, man, and she is Mary Poppins of, of, of Children's Ministry. I'm trying to tell you. She's great. Get to know her. And she, and everything is clean down there, and it's organized, and I love it. And she works hard, and please give her a hug if you see her, even if you don't have kids. She is working her butt off right now, every single Sunday, down there. She needs help setting up and tearing down, by the way. Go talk to her. Go bless her. She's awesome. Next slide. Uh, Timothy with the long hair. How much more time do I have? This is taking longer than I wanted to. Um, he led at uh, Fellowship Greenville, and I was just proud of our team. And there was a sweet, sweet worship vibe going on with with city lights we were happy to be there there's probably 20 of us and we sounded like there was 50 of us at least we were yelling really loud and Darrell performed that, that, that easter if you heard last easter that spoken word and it was just posted and reposted and i just think that that sound is representing hope and clarity for lots of people lots of people and he performed it and participated in it really with all of us at the fellowship greenville worship night and that was awesome all right let's burn on through how about a roller skating we had a great time roller skating uh, with the young professionals. This is the worst picture I've ever taken. I take pride in my pictures. You got to frame it, tell the story, get the lighting. I did none of those things. I apologize, but it's the only memory that I have. So that's what it was. There was double the amount of people there. We moved that place in two hours. I, it made me think if we wanted to burglarize somebody or play a really great prank, it'd be the way to go. I would call my church up because we moved that thing fast. It was fast. Um, Taylor, the bro, I just love that at men's time. Um, I, I, I remember uh, Taylor had shared a story, and this guy on the right was just like, I want to get to know Taylor, and that was a story at the fire. All right, next slide. Um, 
the baby's coming, and Luke and Charlene and uh, the bear, the Holden is there, and so some, some new family members. So there you go. All right, next slide. Our leaders, deacons, elders, awesome. Next slide. And, oh my gosh, I can't, I've got to, I, I'm going to never, never stop telling stories. I just love that the, the Fletchers, um, this, is, this is Vietnam. Am I right? Did we do that right? I always want to say Thailand. I'm like, Thailand is Vietnam? Yeah, um, Vietnam. They've been going for like years and years. And I just remember, this is the last one I'll do, but they came up for a, for a mission spotlight one time and they talked about that exact Google thing, but not just for family, but for mission and seeing what God can do over years, over years of just obedience, of simple, um, diligent steps of predictable patterns. And, and anyways, I thought that that was, that was really cool. The thought of the day is that remembering, um, it strengthens our identity and it clarifies our calling. Um, when I went to Washington, D.C., there was like people reading the Gettysburg Address, crying, reading this thing. And I could read too, I wouldn't cry about it, but the grandpa's like sitting next to the grandchild and they're reading the Gettysburg Address and, and they're rehearsing the story, right? They're rehearsing what the country comes from and they're reminding um, that there's more important things than just today and being comfortable, that there are key values and core things that matter, that, that are worth being passionate about, that are worth being devoted to. And when we, when, we, when we don't remember well, we lose our purpose. We forget about, we just move on. And we forget about who God is and who we are. And we forget that we come from somewhere, that we represent something. And that not everything that's said about us or around us is true. And that not every event that comes in our path can tell us who we are. We have to have a long haul vision for the past and for the future. And we have to do a good job of remembering. We have to remember who we are and whose we are. We have to remember the the people around us that care about us. When we get isolated and when we get alone and we forget the people that love us and care about us, we're in trouble. We're just, we're flat out in trouble. We're, we, we don't, we're not good rememberers. We don't remember who we are. And, and when we get isolated, we tend to drift into this feeling that nobody gets us. And I'm the only one struggling with this thing. And we tend to think that it's our own little dream and our own little world. And we're coming up with our little plans and we want everybody else to get involved in those plans. When we're not having dialogues, we're only having monologues with ourselves. When we don't remember our story as a community. When we don't remember what God has said to us as a family. And when we, when we step back in, I remember during this Washington, D.C. trip, and, and we have some uninterrupted time, it's just so refreshing to be with the people that our story is being told with. It's, it's so important to have uninterrupted time. We, you know, like we went on this trip in Washington, D.C., we had 48 hours and stayed at the hotels and went to all the monuments and stuff like that, and and, and it's like as the time went on, the inside jokes start going, and we start playing games, and we, we start you know, eating the same food and talking the same way and waking up and getting, and there's a strength that comes with that, with being part of a family like that, that the walls come down and and a strength kind of comes in. And and so um, I just want to read, read this passage today um, that, that I think is all about what God is doing, you know, in our midst. Um, If I have to look at some of the, the pictures here and reflect on some of the memories over the year, um, I look back on 2019 and I see the Lord fostering a spiritual family in our group. That's what I, I tend to see. Um, I, I tend to see through the pictures, through um, God's faithfulness, 
through the, the core leadership that, that has been established, through the community that's being built, through the ministry, the children's ministry, and the youth ministry, through the worship nights, what I see is a family being formed. And there's an important biblical principle in that that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3 when he says, with things that are spiritual, we do important activities. We invest, we sow, we lead, we host city groups, we, we run the, the, the finance team, we set budgets, we plan, we set up, we tear down. I mean, these are all the human efforts that are very essential to building a family, to fostering a community. But what Paul is so adamant about in 1 Corinthians 3 is although we sow in water, only God can grow a spiritual family. Only God can grow a person into a disciple. What he's saying there in reminding the church in Corinth, and he'd remind us as well, is that only God can grow a business, can grow a mission, can grow a future, can grow an identity. We plant, we sow, we water, but only God grows a family. And families, if we've received a spiritual family this year, if that is true, if the pictures come together to remind us of something true, and if what is true about us is that as we've submitted to one another and forgiven one another and come towards one another and been committed to one another, if what we've received out of that is a gift of spiritual family, then we've received a gift of great worth and of great value. It's in spiritual family that we move from from feeling lost to feeling found, from feeling empty to feeling filled, from feeling distracted and off course and drifting to feeling formed and forged and, and solidified. If we've found any sense of spiritual family over the last year, we've received a great gift because this is where God has planned to call his people and form his people and encourage his people. When we're isolated and when we're lost and when we're discouraged, we lose our sense of identity. But when we step into the family of God, the family that God grows, then God has given us a great gift. I'm gonna read a couple of passages and then ask an intentional question just for the year. So Acts 2, and I'll back it up, then I usually read. In verse 36, um, we have the the first sermon, the first message ever preached in the New Testament church, uh, and that is preached by the Apostle Peter. And he says in Acts 2, verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this message. Peter says this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So Peter's first message to all of the world and to the New Testament church that is witnessing the first um, inauguration of the Holy Spirit coming in to bring a new covenant era into the earth. Peter, Peter, Peter preaches this. He, he, uh, he surmises this in his sermon, and he says it's this message. What you're seeing is supposed to derive to this point, is that the one that, that was crucified, his name was Jesus, and he, he is both Lord and he is uh, Messiah. Uh, there's many times in the Old Testament that Lord would happen. There would be an angel of the Lord or a burning bush would speak as the Lord and even, even donkeys communicated the Lord's voice. And so there was ways that the Lord would be on the earth, but, but he's saying something very distinct is happening here. It's not just that the Lord is here, it's that the Lord has come to be a Messiah, a king, uh, a rescuer. 
And so that's his message. And, and it goes on in verse 37. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, brothers, what then shall we do? What then shall we do? These are all Jews that are talking to Peter here. And they're saying, what are we going to do about the message that, that you just gave? He had given a message about David being a king and how David wasn't a full king. He was just a reflection and a forthcoming of the true Messiah and king. And, and so they say, what should we do to this gospel message? In verse 38, Peter replies this. He says, repent. That just means to turn. Um, turn and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive, he says, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. So Peter pronounces this message. I mean, he does what he can do. He sows. He waters. He scatters the seed. There's nothing special. I can say the same exact words as Peter just said. We could read it off the page. Uh, this time it would be reading of a devotion or a study or something like that, or just talking here this morning on Sunday morning. But for Peter, those were the prophetic words of the hour, and he did what he could do. He was available he maybe wasn't capable of everything that he was supposed to be doing, but he sure was available, and he just said what the Holy Spirit had him to say. He said that Jesus, the one that you saw, is the Lord, and he is the Messiah. He is the rescuer. And, and Peter does what he can do, and then, if you read on here in a moment, God begins to do what Peter can't do, which he begins to increase. He begins to grow. He begins to cultivate. He, he begins to bring power, the things that, that the people of, of this church, the things that we, we can't do, God begins to do. So he goes on, verse 40, with many other words, he warns them and pleads with them. And I wonder if that's the posture we take with exclaiming and proclaiming the gospel message. It's the same message and it should be given the same way. Do we warn and do we plead with people? Do we plead with them? Save yourselves from this corrupt generation, the things that you're hanging on to, the, the thoughts you have, the fear, the, the kind of idols that you're carrying they're, they're not blessing you, they're cursing you, they're holding you, they're captivating you. Do, you, do we talk like this with a sense of urgency? You know, that, that, that the things of this generation, they're not just here to bully us, they're here to kill us. They're here to take things from us. They're here to rob from us. And do we have that kind of urgency when, when we preach the gospel? Peter does what he can do so that God can show up and do what he can't do. And so he warns them and pleads them and he gives his time and he gives his effort and he, he lowers himself and, and talks. This is not just a message, it's a life. This is what he's always doing. And, and so this is the apostle speaking to 3,000 and they say, what can we do? And he says, repent. And then it says, look, verse 42. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. It's me personally. I, I just, I love the word devotion. I love what happens when passion meets wisdom. Passion can make wishes and can be excited about something, but when it's married with a discipline and with a wisdom, there's something powerful that can happen. And so, so the church is devoted. They're devoted to the teaching and to the fellowship and the bread and prayer, and everyone was filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. I mean, eventually this would be slaves and Jews and barbarians and women and men and black and white, and eventually into the generations, the Asians and, and Europeans, and all of these people are going to be gathered under one thing, and although they have nothing in common, it says they have everything in common. And it says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone that had a need. And every day they continued to meet together, every day in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers uh, daily um, those that were being saved. Peter did what 
he could do so that God could do what Peter couldn't do. And, and, and I believe and I think when I look at the pictures and share some of the memories from this last year that God has done things in our community that we couldn't have done. And we need to recognize them as such that we might not boast and think that we've done things. And we will remember the, the sacred transaction of devotion. The devotion is not me doing what God can't do or doing what God can do. It's me doing what I can do so that I create a space that God can do what only he can do, which is grow us, which is unite us in the bond of the Holy Spirit, which is put a gospel mission in us that makes us, make, makes us substantive beyond the moment of the urgent, that, that, that gives us something to live for and something to die for. This is what God can do. Only God can do that. And, and so if there's anything that, that is meaning anything out of those pictures, it's only because God did them. Because we, we opened our hearts to them and we trusted what God wanted to do in those gifts. But ultimately, God is the deliverer of every good and perfect gift. And, and so this, this is my question. This is my thought of the day. Simple enough. Uh, the intentional question for us is, if, if, if families grow, if organisms are always changing, you know, I mean, if Kyra's always going to be hot, but if the kids are going to lose their teeth and grow new ones and they're going to be as tall as you, like that's true, right? We're not going to be the same. None of us here as individuals or as a group are going to be the same in 2021. We will be different. We'll be grown in a certain direction. And, and so my question that I think is really important to ask ourselves is, is not if we'll grow, but how are we going to grow this year? That's what I want to ask the Holy Spirit this morning is, how are we going to grow as a group, as a community? Because we are all telling stories. And when you don't know your story or you don't have your story, you are in a very uh, vulnerable place. You're not in a, in a strong place. You're not in, in, in your calling. You're not in who you are. You're not in you're not in all eight cylinders. You're not running the way you're supposed to be running. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know where you are, you're at the mercy of everybody that wants to tell you who you are and where you are, and you don't know who you are. And so we, we, are, we are called in the Old Testament and New Testament to rehearse and to remember these stories. And, and because they're supposed to bring us to this question, God, if you've taken me here, where will you take me next? If you've always been this way in your character, what will that look like in this season and in this day and in this hour? What, how, how will God grow us? I, I remember um, it, was, it was like April or August of 2018. It was right through, we've, you know, we had some significant leadership transition, you know, in the last, what, year and a half now, um, where I remember we were kind of gathering as a family meeting, one of our first family meetings in one of these smaller theaters over there. And I just remembered the, um, praying um, for 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 a lot, for a lot of things, actually. But I remember that I, I had sensed that in, that in that month, it was like August back then of 2018, that there was a significant time of testing that was going to happen, you know, in our church. Testing, like, like um, God had, meaning, put things um, in the individuals in our church and in the leaders in our church, in the community of our church. He had put certain things that were going to rise up for the occasion to... Um, to show off God's faithfulness and to respond to him in that very season. And it was, it's so funny because I just remembered it, just reflecting on some of these pictures over this last uh, couple of days. 
and I hadn't remembered it for a long time, but there was actually three things that I had asked the Lord for. And I talked about them at that meeting. I said, um, I'm praying for three things. I, I want to see, and I remember people like kind of smirked at me and laughed at me because it did sound kind of dumb, but I was like, I want to see 10 kind of part-time volunteer staff people. I'm asking God for leaders at this church. And I just realized, kind of coming to prepare for this sermon, that not only have we gone from three elders to five elders, which is just awesome, just awesome, awesome guys, um, leaders at our church, but we also have 10 brand new deacons, the exact number, which for a while is going to be like kind of 12, and then it turned into 10, so maybe that's God's faithfulness. And I said, I want to see 10% out the door. I don't know how we're going to be able to pull that off, but I want to see 10% to go to the nations. And... I can stand here and say, like, out of those pictures, like, that's a reality. Like, that's something that has happened. And I asked for 10 mission partners, but four is awesome, too. And, um, and so, so, anyways, it was like, I just remembered that in thinking about this message and thinking about gathering here this morning is that God is faithful, you know, and he's doing something. And so I just want to ask us this question, like, if God is growing us, how will we grow? How will we grow this year? I have some sub-questions to consider. Number one, as a church body... Is our church growing uh, in 2020 outward or inward is the question that I have. Like, uh, I went over to 25 Sweetbriar and I drove around all the cul-de-sacs and I just got stirred up. I'm so excited about that new area, partly because it's cleaner than uh, the mills, in my opinion, but also because there's families back there. There's like, I mean, there's dozens of houses back there and then the Overbrook area is over there too, but there's like tree houses and basketball hoops and and people back there, it's like, I'm so excited, Lord. What if you had us bless that neighborhood? I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know by what means, I don't know what we have to give to anybody, but I know that a yes in God's hands is powerful. And I'm just asking myself, if, if a community were to rally and say, Acts 2 is happening now, Acts 2 is not just a history, it's a legacy, and it's a future forecast for destiny, like what could you do to a church that wants to neighbor with its neighbors? Like, what could you do to take, to take a church from the inside and, 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 and turn it outside? What would that look like? And, and that becomes a perpetual decision. I believe we're making decisions for all the next 361 days of this year, 60 days of this year. Like, are we going to be inward stepping or outward stepping? Are we going to be inward focused or outward focused? And I, and I just sense that the Lord, in as much as there's been testing in this last year, that, that in this year we might find calling. We might, find, we might find a purpose. We might find a common mission that he's called us as a family to be not just together, but to be on a mission together. That, that my, you know, my family, George Wong, my great-great-grandfather, like started a watch business, and he started with two watches, and he sold it. And the family has a business. The Wong family business is to sell watches in Hong Kong. And, and, and I think there's something spiritual about that. It's like, what if our family had a mission and what will happen in our family when we go on mission together? That's the question I have. The first one is, will we grow inward or will we grow outward? The second word is, will we grow in truth or, or will we grow in fear? We were driving down the road and Kyra asked me on the way to D.C. She says, what ticks you off more than anything? And I was like, I don't know, babe. I don't get too, too mad about stuff. And, uh, and I thought about it for a second and I was like, I do get really sad. And the thing that I get sad about, and the way I said it is, I get sad about sand choices versus um, rock choices, like for Matthew 6. I get sad when I see people live their life for decades avoiding the truth. And they perpetually then make choices that build their life on sand and not on rocks. And they run from their fears, and they stay stuck, and they don't encounter the scriptures, and they don't respond to what God's doing. The scripture says that everybody hears the voice of God, but the foolish one is the one who hears it and doesn't do anything about it. And I get sad when people hear God's voice and don't do anything about it. 
I get sad when people don't grow. I get sad when people don't come alive. I get sad when people have destiny in front of them and they don't go and walk it out. That makes me sad. 50 years of, 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 of perpetually walking this thing out. And, and I, I wonder if, if that's a question to ask this morning. Will we grow in truth or will we go in fear? Will we, will we walk towards what God is calling us to do or will we run from it? And lastly, the question I would ask is, will we grow um, shallow or deep? Where's Luke at? Luke Steffensmeyer, where you at, buddy? So Luke, I love Luke, dude. I, I love you, dude. You're, I just like him. He's a good guy. He did our charcoal grill for the men's night the other night, and he's a great guy, and he comes to the Willie Taco thing. Um, and anyways, he's a good dude. And so he uh, hosted a bonfire the other night, which was, it was like a house fire. It was like a mini house was put there, and he set it on fire. And all the guys were like, Rah. it was awesome. And uh, it was a big fire. And I just thought to myself, I mean, within 45 minutes, the level of conversation, my youth pastor used to say there's three levels of conversation. There's like level one, which is like Jimmy Fallon. There's level two, which is like Larry King. And then there's that Oprah level where you're just ready to cry. You know, I'm not saying we were crying at the bonfire, but I'm just saying you could feel the vulnerability be encouraged. And that's important for a group. That's important for discipleship. Will we grow shallow or will we grow deep? And I just think there's a lot of relationships. And I just say this that when we see each other every Sunday and we exchange, you know, our niceties, we love and care. I believe there's a lot of love and care in our community. But when, when somebody decides to pick up the phone on their own volition and call out a personal invitation for a non-programmed event that invites somebody to a life and not just a church, that something happens within community. And I think it's, literally, I think it's that close of a decision that can change us from acquaintance to community. And I know we've all experienced the difference between acquaintance and community. And both are valuable, both are powerful, but one of them lasts longer. And one of them has more authority to it. And one of them generates more identity. And, and I wonder if it just this year takes a phone call from you. A few invitations, a few questions, a few intentional moments. All it would take is just one step. And we all know what that feels like to feel like we're part of a family, to feel like we're bonded, to feel like we have grown deep and not just wide. And so those are my questions. I just wonder, how will we grow in 2020? How will we continue the story of Acts chapter two? How will we be a gospel family that brings hope to community? Will we grow outward or will we stay inward? Will we be growing in, in fear or in trust? Will we grow shallow and cold or warm and close? I think that would be a wonderful question to pursue as we get started with the year. I'm going to invite the band forward, and um, I would like to just spend some time praying in response to this, this passage of Scripture. Would you stand with me? Um, three things that I want to pray for. Would you pray with me on these three things as a group? Three things that I want to pray for. Number one, I want to pray out of this passage, directly out of this passage. Number one, uh, for baptisms. I want to pray for baptisms. Uh, it says there that, um, that many were baptized, 3,000 were saved in that one day, and baptism is not just a religious institution or religious duty. It represents coming from death to life. And only God can awaken somebody to the power and victory of Jesus Christ in the gospel, in the cross. And I want to see that. And I want to be on the front row of that. I want to be in the audience of that. And I want to be somebody that's sowing and reaping and considering, God, how can you bring about life for individuals and communities and families? Number two, I want to pray in just a moment about um, signs and wonders. It says that uh, in one of these verses in Acts chapter 2 that there was great awe that took over the community of impossible things that God is doing because 
faithful people with faith stepped out and said yes to God and God did what they couldn't do in their midst. So I think we just ask for that. So I want to ask for things that are impossible. I want to ask for signs and wonders. I want to ask for all sorts of categories of that. In the marriage category, in the health category, in the finance category, in the business category, in the learning category, in the relation. I want to, I want to see impossible things. I don't want to see the summation of people doing their best. I want to see God doing his best in people that say yes to him. And lastly, I want to pray for numbers added and not as a church growth strategy, but as a come home strategy, because I know how discouraged and isolating it is to be alone. And I don't want people to be alone. I want people to grow with God and to make rock decisions and not sand decisions. And that requires family. It requires people to be filled and formed and found. And I want people in family. I want people in small groups. I want people known. I want people deep. I want people encouraged. I want people that are in community. So I want to pray for these things. You ready? I just want you to change your posture, whatever your posture is. We're doing something new right now, so do it, do it differently. We're going to just adjust. Because uh, we know him, he's a father, but he's not like our father. And he's a friend, but he's not like any other friend. So uh, I just agree right now in Jesus' name with the sermon that was preached on the day of Pentecost that you are the king of the world, Lord Jesus. We just recognize as a people right now that you have authorized a new kingdom era and a new reality in the time that we live. God, you are the definer of the season. You're the maker of the season. And so it's strictly important that we listen to you about the season that we live in. That we become very um, mono in the way that we hear. That we hear one thing from your voice. And so you just preside in this place. You are the, you're the chief executive officer. You're the commander. You're the father your Lord and Master and Messiah in this place. We declare it. We say it so. We know it so. So we agree with what you're saying. It is just strictly important that we put our feet on that kind of a rock as we move into a year as important as this. It is so important that we make up in our mind right now that you are our King. So we anoint you. We give you praise. We give you glory. So in that conversation, Lord Jesus, we bring these, these small things in the scope of, 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 of your dominion. We just bring these small things to you. We just say, do what we can't do. God, show off and be, be who you've always been. Be Lord, be Messiah, be King. Be resident in this place. Be obvious in this place. Be a parent in this place. It's not what we can do, but what you can do. So we come together knowing that we're together, not just to bring our part, but to ask you to do yours. And we come before you and ask for things that we can't do on our own. We ask you for new life and baptism and believer's baptism, Lord Jesus. We ask for a born againness to hit the hearts of men and women that we know it's never the change of the behavioral pattern. It's always the change in the spiritual life that comes about in a person's heart. We know that's salvation for our generation. And so we ask for that to happen because no one can be saved unless they're born again. And so we ask for that, God. 
And we put our, we, you know, we, we wrap our lives around that. It's not just asking and then we'll see you next year. No, we put our, we commend our hand and our mind and our heart towards that. We're here to see new children awaken. Number two, God, we ask you for signs and wonders to be a part of our daily walk with you. We ask for a, a, a life that can't be explained other than the power of the resurrected Jesus. For the resurrection to happen in forgiveness and in healing and in uh, spiritual wisdom and in revelation and in Bible reading, we ask for a change that happens only because of your presence. And we're going to talk about it and keep talking about it and ask about it. And Lord Jesus, finally, we just ask for numbers added, not to grow a church, but to extend your family, God. We ask that you would find us faithful to really love people as names and not numbers and to call people home. God, I ask that you would break our hearts for uh, the loss of Greenville and that you would break our hearts for the lonely of Greenville and that we would find the margin that we know that we have to not be selfish, but to open up our homes that people would come home and find a place to sit. And so God, we just, we, we ask you to prune us and we ask you to change us to make us gospel ambassadors and a gospel family in that way. So we thank you for this 2020 year, um, not just because we're here and alive, but because you're here and alive and because you're doing great things in our midst and we expect it and look to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.